Hello, you're listening to the Ghost Light Podcast, Season 3, Episode 3, That Way Madness Lies. You scholars of English, one question I'll ask. To answer, you won't find a difficult task. Of Shakespeare's great heroes, which one would you pick? To award him first prize for being totally tick. Othello, you know, was a gullible dupe, and Hamlet's delaying landed him in the soup. But the stupidest moron in all of Shakespeare was that old king of England, the man they call Lear. And we're back with the Ghost Light Podcast. Uh, I'm Paul Mackey, and I'm joined this evening by... Amy Bowen. Hello. And here alongside me is Darcy Zepernick. Hey. And Ben Pfeiffer is on assignment. He'll check in with us later on in the show via the miracle of future recordings that get edited in. It's kind of like a time machine. A little bit like a time machine. Blast from the past with Ben Pfeiffer. There you go. Except for from the future. From the future. Blast from the future. That's right. Back to the Future. <laughs> I almost bought that for the kids, but Did you? I didn't think they'd appreciate it. On Blu-ray? Okay. <laughs> okay. Wow, that was fast. Yeah, I'm on that. All right, the title for this episode is That Way Madness Lies. It's actually taken from Lear, Act 3, Scene 4. He is with Kent in the, in the storm, uh, and he says, No, I will weep no more in such a night to shut me out. Pour on, I will endure in a night such as this. O oh, Regan, Goneril, your old kind father, whose frank heart gave all. Oh, that way madness lies. Let's, let me shun that. No more of that. So, there you go. There you go. Um, so, we have to do a uh, quick summary of the plot. We usually do that around the vicinity of 60 seconds long. And I believe that... Uh, <gasps> This time, it's you, Darcy. It is. We'll see how I do. I am not good at these, so... Well, you know, it could have been it could have been Ben and then at the last second be you. <laughs> yeah, that could have happened, but it didn't. So I, I was prepared, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right, let's... Tell let's, me when. Let's wish her some luck. And we will count down three, two, one, Jello shoes. Jeff sees the counselor and all of his haunting Jeff. Uh, actors whine about the dancers at the company house. Darren tries to give direction after the preview and throws Richard out. Richard tattles on Darren to Jeffrey. Operation uh, Stink Bomb the Musical fails. Jeff, uh, Ellen, and Barbara trio gets a little strange and Jeff ends up getting kicked out. Uh, Anna, Anna and Richard discuss, uh, quote, work and record players. Uh, Jeff stays with Charles. Uh, Charles asks Jeff to shoot the heroin for him. Uh, Darren tries Richard's flowchart. Uh, Richard gloats about the musical flowchart and how well it worked. Charles runs off into the storm and Jeff finds him in the phone booth. Uh, Richard parties with the musical cast. Ellen is lonely and young actors get busy. All right. The cl- timer did not start properly, so I don't know, but it was very close to a minute. I know that. Okay, well, we'll, we'll check it later. We will check it after the fact. I, 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 I glossed over a little, but I think I hit. You hit major points. Most of the points. So, here we go. Yeah, you did. You hit a lot of the points, it sounded like. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, shall we get right into the... Uh, the in-depth summary. Mm-hmm. I think we should. Okay. I plow forth. 
Plow forth. Uh, so the cold open. Jeffrey is back in therapy with Dr. McTeague, telling of uh, Charles's condition and how tough the part is. And meanwhile, Oliver is nattering on behind Jeffrey, asking about his own plight and higher purpose, at which point Dr. McTeague asks how Oliver fits in. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeffrey denies that Oliver has anything to do with anything, but Teague finds lots of references throughout his notes to Oliver. Uh, and McTeague says, figuratively, that Oliver is haunting Jeffrey. <laughs> and, then he and, says, and then he says he wants to focus on Oliver, and Oliver <laughs> loves that. <laughs> and Oliver goes, finally, and the audience laughed. The therapist guy is very, very perceptive in ways that I will get into more further on in the episode. Yes. I have, a, I have other notes about that. Huh. Maybe I missed something. So we get a song about a stroll in the rain. <laughs> and then after that, we've got uh, Sophie ranting to Paul about living with Megan. And Paul resolves that they should prank the musical rehearsal with a stink bomb as a way to vent their frustrations in both the uh, living situation and with Charles. Not direct revenge on Charles that way, but still venting. Yeah. A tension release. Tension release. Uh, back to Jeffrey and McTeague. Uh, Jeffrey tracks his relationship with Oliver, and McTeague claims he read a study that says that every artist is trying to use one person they wish to impress or talk to as their audience, and Oliver loves that idea as well. Yep, and I wrote down in my notes, yes, that's it exactly. Jeffrey does want to please Oliver. That is why Oliver keeps hanging around. I'm going to make a prediction right now. In the series finale, Oliver will move on for real this time, when Jeffrey finally does whatever it is that he needs to do, whether artistically or emotionally or something else, to make Oliver proud of him and finally really get some closure and really say goodbye to him. And also, another thing I noticed in this scene was we almost found out what exactly it was that Oliver tried to tell Jeffrey over the phone that night that he died... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but Jeffrey cuts him off. And once again, cut off. It mm-hmm. happened. So I, that stood out to me. Yeah. I, wonder, I wonder if the writing is going to reveal what that was later on. Hmm. So something to watch out for as we continue with these final three episodes. Yes. Yes, we are at the uh, half, halfway point of final season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darren lectures the cast of the musical following the, the following morning after a preview night. Uh, he thinks that the show is far too logical. They need to be more absurd. <laughs> and he wants to cut three scenes of what he calls just plain exposition and put in more dancing. Preferably tap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the playwright Nigel is understandably distressed, and Richard attempts to talk to Darren, talk him into keeping the characters central to their efforts. But uh, Darren shouts him down and tries to ban him from rehearsals. Obviously, that didn't work because he's in rehearsals again But later on, but uh, claims that he's banning Richard from rehearsals. Mm-hmm. It's a diva move. It's a diva move? Yeah. yeah. Darren's a diva? Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know. Really, guys. Mm. Yeah. A short little snippet of Anna trying to get the status of what the new Bolivian regime, regime is like, so uh, mm-hmm. to find out whether the musicians, Los Perdidos will be in danger if they get sent home. Will they be shot? <laughs> yeah. Two things. A, this is now officially a running gag. 
B, the Lost Ones, or the ones that are lost, is kind of an appropriate name for them now. Yes. <laughs> We're, like, marooned, but yeah, I just, just an observation. But at least they get some fancy uh, digs. Yeah, they get the swell, mm-hmm. the swell apartment. <laughs> swell apartment below the stage. Yep, the storage room. <laughs> oh, well, I think we get to that later. Yes, oh, we sorry. shall. Yes, we shall. I jumped. Oh, skipping ahead. Skipping ahead. Sorry, Robin. Oh, sorry. That's a different show. <laughs> um, Richard has a discussion with Jeffrey about the musical's structure issues, and he asks Jeffrey how to talk to Darren. And uh, well, Jeffrey pretty much says that he needs to be assertive and just say what he needs to say and not uh, yap. No yapping. <laughs> Don't yap. And he tries to, but Darren continues to insist... You're yapping. Shut up. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, at the Lear rehearsal, Barbara is possibly doing a little overthinking on her role and possibly doing it wrong. Jeffrey sure seems to think so. And uh, mm-hmm. Charles jumps in and once again makes inappropriate reference to race. Mm hmm. Uh, I picked up on the overthinking whether or not. Uh, She's Goneril. Whether or not Goneril actually killed herself. We, the, uh, we only know that, that because one of the other... It happened off-screen and one of the other characters reports it. Same as Ophelia. Yeah, it's a very I, I remember parallel. Jeffrey and Ellen having this argument. We only know that Ophelia killed herself because it happened off-stage and... Yes. So, hmm. So it's kind of similar. It's a parallel. Shakespeare liked to reuse plot elements a lot, I guess. And it's a little easier for someone to kill themselves yeah. off screen. I mean, I guess he had some, ah, good point. Had some on, on, on screen, on stage uh, deaths, uh, suicides, but. Uh, suicides. Yeah, it? some. Uh, Romeo, Juliet. Yeah, yeah. Romeo so, yeah, and Juliet. Of course, of course. Those were both on stage. Yeah. But, there, but then again, there are a lot more important people who die in both Hamlet and King Lear. Yes. An awful lot more important people who die in that la- last act. <laughs> Yes. High body counts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeffrey desperately calls a break to cool everyone's temper, uh, tempers. And Paul and Sophie take that break as a chance to execute their prank. Uh, at the musical rehearsal, Megan is rehearsing a solo that Darren is having trouble, uh, you know, making it work. And when Paul enters the theater, he watches Megan perform, and he is smitten. <laughs> smitten <Yeah>. kitten. <laughs> Sophie lights up the smoke bomb, but Paul is watching Megan instead of assisting and opening the doors. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't quite. I, I didn't necessarily buy the instant infatuation. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit. I mean, they, I mean, they did. They did look at her and and it, and and think that she was hot looking in the first in that first scene uh, last episode. Right, but I don't know. I I don't buy it because once once. Uh, once rivalries are formed, yeah, the lines are rarely crossed. Mm. But there is that whole sex drive thing going on too. Well, so. yeah. yeah. Uh, Jeffrey re- returns home and finds Barbara in his bathroom. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Uh, Barbara is trying to lobby for her interpretation over dinner. Uh, Ellen gives her best try to intercede and say that they try not to talk shop at dinner, but Barbara is not really swayed. She says, okay, but then I'm going to say this, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, later on in bed, Jeffrey complains about the arrangement. Uh, Ellen rhetorically asks if she should ask Barbara to leave, and Jeffrey enthusiastically says yes. But uh, Ellen's solution is a little different, and she decides that she's kicking Jeffrey out of the house temporarily. She loves him, but he's got to low, got to go. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Did that work out that way here ever? Would it? <laughs> would it ever work that out? Way? What me kick you out instead, instead of, of like the house Julie? guest? Absolutely, I totally kick you out before I kick Julie out. I've known her longer, like by. By a few, at least a few an hours. Hour or yeah. Two. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Indeed. You got a history there that you just can't, you can't That's break right. that history. That's right. All right. Okay. That's almost a tangent. We won't ring it. Um, Jeffrey talks about the situation with Dr. McTeague. Uh, he's planning to live in the prop room again. And they talk about the theater family. And as Oliver makes quips, Jeffrey tells him to shut up with the usual result of Mr. McTeague thinking that he's addressing him. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Oliver continues to carry on the metaphor while Jeffrey decides to refuse to speak. The metaphor of the family and whether he's the father to them and whether he feels attached to some of them so he can, you know... I thought Jeffrey was just going to take a nap. I yeah. tired. There you go. Yeah. I could totally use, you know, if I had to go to therapy, I totally would rather just nap. I could do without, <laughs> I could do without hearing him talk about his, uh, his uh, sexual exploits with his uh, yeah, theater staff. I, you, just, you just turn that off. Yeah. 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 Uh, Anna talks to Richard about all the issues she's dealing with that are piling up with him doing only show, but uh, he just wants a record player to do research <laughs> for the musical, listening to his old Broadway cast recordings. Record player. And, it's and play, I, played out. It's played out. <laughs> he's, he's, I, you go ahead. I say he's old enough that all of the records that he bought were on record. That were, were records. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I figured it with all the stuff there is in that prop room. There's got to be a record player in there somewhere. Absolutely. Now, finding a needle for it might be another story, but I'm sure there is one. Yep. Uh, and they briefly get to talk about the Bolivian situation, and she says she'll find them somewhere to go. <laughs> Maybe while she's looking for a record player. Uh, I don't think she was working very hard. No, she doesn't work hard to, at to all. Working very hard to find a record player, I mean. Well, there's plenty of work to be done. Indeed. <laughs> Uh, Oliver and Jeffrey argue, argue the merits of keeping Charles, with Oliver saying that Charles as Lear is his ticket to moving on. And as they mm. arrive at the prop room, hey, it's the Bolivians! <laughs> uh, Jeffrey points out at this point that the uh, storm rehearsal is today, which will be an ideal test to see if Charles is up to it. Mm-hmm. In theory. I don't think he's sincere. For some reason, what do you think? Hmm? It could just be foreshadowing. Ah. <laughs> yeah, it sure could. Cut to the storm machine. Blowing and thundering. Charles is pretty much inaudible. Uh, he insists mm-hmm. the power of the storm can all come from him. So Jeffrey has Maria cut the wind. And Charles begins again with only the thunder sound effects. And I and I concur that it's... But, yeah, it, it kind of helps when you can hear the guy delivering the lines. But anyway, he is really, really good at playing that part. And he and did, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I expected the storm system as powerful it was. It ki- kind of figured you can't possibly hear anyone talk over that. And indeed, you can't. Go ahead. 
Uh, yeah, I was going to say that uh, he does uh, seem to make his point fairly well by, by carrying on without the wind, but then he stumbles, hand to his chest, and still insists he's fine, but Jeffrey calls the break. Backstage, uh, Jeffrey has Charles sit and relax, and the conversation turns to how Jeffrey plans to live in the green room. Uh, Charles insists that Jeffrey should instead come home with him. And, uh, yeah. Then, uh, next scene, uh, Paul and Megan are in the kitchen. After a little bit of roomy roomy friction, he compliments her singing, but Sophie comes in and interrupts the whole thing. For the soy milk. She didn't want the soy milk. Look it, and it's yours. I don't know. Gross. Remember to wipe the spout. Blah. <sighs> yeah, I, I don't imagine drinking soy milk straight from the bottle. Is, well, I don't know. I guess if you like soy milk already. Perhaps. Yeah, I would imagine. Charles shows Jeffrey around his uh, apartment or house and uh, then pauses to let him know that the illness is difficult to witness. And Jeffrey honestly states that he's in the habit of talking at length to someone who isn't there, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. Charles seems to take perfectly in stride. Yep, he sure does. It's amazing that... It's amazing. Jeffrey hardly trusts anyone else that much. But, yeah, so they are... So that's something we haven't seen him do very often before. Yes. And Charles pretty much shrugs for a second and says, should we set the table for three? I won't say because that's my that's one of my quotes. Well, there you one go. of my many quotes. I will let, I will let that let that go along then. Uh, Ellen is calling the theater trying to talk to Jeffrey, and then Barbara breezes in, having purchased four bottles of wine for the two of them to have a girls' night in. Uh, Jeffrey and Charles have a discussion, uh, wherein uh, Charles still wants to know that Jeffrey will indeed let him play the part. And cross-cutting back to uh, Barbara pressing Ellen about where her life is, a mountain of debt, crazy boyfriend. Barbara wants Ellen to talk to Chris, the film and TV agent, to expand her career beyond the festival. Mm-hmm. Which, that's actually a really good argument for that mountain of debt. So mm-hmm. that's probably a conflict we're going to see play out in the rest of this season. Going to be interesting. I'd say probably just, you know, Attempt to get on like three or four good national commercial spots that'll run for a year and a half, two years, and you're probably fairly well set. Get on, oh, Paul. Really? <laughs> That's what I, I hear. That I hear you get, a, you get on a good national that, yep. that is a re- repeating national, and you get a fair, fair, fair amount of money for a little bit. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I would never have expected the actors would get royalties for those. But so okay, I did something I did not know. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. A national is a good thing. Uh, I know. I didn't hear how much money, but uh, I know that uh, Dan Klaas's daughter last uh, last uh, winter had that. Uh, it was at a Toyota spot, I think. Yeah. And uh, that ran for a good uh, two or three months, and I, I, I guess she's, you know, I mean, of course, the money's set aside for her. College tuition. No kidding. That's Dan Klaas with the bitterest pill. And almost a tangent again, but we'll let almost, it go. Almost no, it's, it's, we're talking about actors, and that's not tangent. Jeffrey and Oliver converse over apparently an and apparently sleeping Charles, who then asks for help to the bedroom, as the storm took a lot out of him. But at this point, he's uh, preparing to shoot heroin, and Charles asks Jeffrey to help inject him. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. I, he he didn't had no. He doesn't have any secrets. 
they've they they've already they just moved in together and already they've each revealed their biggest secrets to each other the right. heroin addiction and the lengthy conversations with the invisible companion <laughs> Oliver so. really took that in stride I mean he was just like oh come on let's do this Jeffrey do it yeah he sure did and if that's a voice inside his head I don't know I don't know I don't know either it's hard to say and I guess you know at that point in time. At some at the end of somebody's life, mm-hmm. why deny them if they're dying? I guess they both figure, and maybe we're supposed to. If he, we already know he's dying from a cancer, so why bother denying him the drug if it makes him feel better? Mm-hmm. It's probably a, a bit of a sledgehammer to kill a butterfly, but uh... um, <laughs> maybe I don't know. I think cancer is pretty painful. It is. I mean, I mean, this is the argument that people use for medical marijuana. Well, but I don't think anybody's making an argument for medical heroin. No, they're not, because there's a lot of alternatives that are probably just as effective. I mean, the morphine. They get yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there'll still be opiates, but yeah, uh, it's just they're. You don't have to inject them personally. You don't have to inject them personally. You're not in charge of your own dubious dosing, and who knows how pure this. Exactly, that would be the scary part, I suppose. You know, street drugs is probably not very good medicine. Just saying. You never know. You never know whether they uh, forgot to add the baby laxative, and it's actually more or less pure, or if it's uh, That's right. you know cut cut six ways to Sunday, or if you're used to it getting six way, cut six ways to Sunday, and it's only cut you know partially. So you hear, kids, don't do drugs. There you go. Don't do drugs, kids. Public service message: The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a tangent. <laughs> The next day, Jeffrey talks to McTeague about the experience. Uh, Oliver carries on about Charles representing Jeffrey's father, and uh, Jeffrey continues to talk to Oliver in in McTeague's presence. Eventually, Jeffrey even verbally accidentally equates Charles, Oliver, and his father all as the same figure. Hmm. And as as is the theme, Oliver loves it. (laughs) He's just eating it with a spoon. Paul catches Megan on the street. They start talking about his role in Lear. He discovers she may not have a lot going on intellectually. Uh, but talk does turn to her singing, and Paul asks her out for a drink, which, to which she does not at this point commit. Now, I don't know. I think, I th- I think they were both overplaying and underplaying her, her quote-unquote stupidity. I mean, they, I, think they made her, I think they made her out to be too vapid. But at the same time, they were also sort of making fun of her for not knowing Lear. And i got to confess that, mm-hmm. I mean, among the, all of us, we're pretty, you know, I mean, you're probably the best, yeah. best at it mm-hmm. out, out of all of us, stars. But, I mean, I feel, I almost feel a little bit insulted about, you know, not knowing Lear being that, that much of a big deal. I don't, I mean, knowing, yeah. knowing all the roles and knowing whether he's in a big part or a small part, I wouldn't, mm-hmm. by him saying offhand what he's playing, I wouldn't have known. Exactly. That's absolutely right. I would have known it's it not- was, yeah. Yeah, I would have known if it was one of the plays that's performed a lot. It's uh, King Lear's popular, but not as popular as Hamlet and Romeo and Juliet and Macbeth. And so those are the ones that everybody knows who the basic characters are. Okay, but my King Lear, not so much. I think, though, anybody who went through any theater program hmm. probably touched on it at some point. Because it is one hmm. of the biggies. It really is. It's It's... Not, it's not one of the biggies that you do in high school um, mm. or in regular college courses, but it is definitely one of the big... 
Can you get hired on okay. at a festival theater with just um, plenty of experience under your belt, but no actual like official training? I think you have to have education. You think, especially for, even for, as a performer, for that, yeah. Okay, I really do. So if she was just, I mean, so in, I mean, I guess I, I was thinking, even if she had like a musical theater degree, still she would have touched it at some point because they force everybody has to take those classes. I mean, I had to take those classes, so mm-hmm. you know. I guess I still think I, I think I think she. I think they painted her a little bit too vapid. I think you know, I, 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 I kind of agreeing with your point that right. uh, I think that you know, realistically, she'd be a, a, at least a little bit more on the ball about the whole thing. Yeah, it would have it would yeah. have been at least you know one lecture. She would have had one lecture to do with it. Uh, yeah, quick. I was going to ask you a quick follow up question about that, Darcy. Those classes that everybody has to take are they the traditional English literature format or are they practical? Are they actual drama classes? They see ours were um, actual drama, like dramaturgy uh, type okay. classes, where you, you know we would take it and we dissect it. And, but you know oh, okay. that's um, you know. So you talk about how you would perform it as opposed to discussing it as literature. Correct. Okay. Cool. So okay. I mean, so per- personally, I mean, I personally, someone came up to me and said, "I'm playing a part in Lyra." I'd just say, "Oh, cool. That's that's great." <laughs> Yeah. So, so the fact that she is, I mean, even a little bit airy on that was a little odd. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I at, agree. At least, at least be impressed that he's got a role, and whether you know that it's a big role or not, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> just, just be impressed. Right. Mm-hmm. Another thing about this scene, he when he asks her if she wants to go for a drink, she answers, "I thought we were the enemy," and I wrote down, "Ah, two households both alike in dignity," as they say. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. There you go. Uh, uh, so, so, like I said, she does not commit to having the drink at this point. Uh, inside the uh, East Hastings rehearsal, Richard insists that he knows how to fix the issues, but Darren continually tries to shut him down. But Richard does not back down. He's made a flowchart. I love Richard for his flowchart. <laughs> yes, to prove his point. <laughs> Me too. It's such an... It's such an administrative office thing to do, but it works so it well. Does. It is so cool. Yeah, I just had I had to really laugh at that one. That was awesome. I mean, it's it's yep, it's it's really in terms of if if you're writing, it's close to the 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 the, um, the, the note card method. Note card or bubble um, mm-hmm. notes. Yeah, bubble bubble chart or or a note card. If you're doing note cards on the wall and you have you know mm-hmm. here's the characters and here's the situations and you sort of chart it out on the wall. I've never actually done that. Probably ought at some point, but uh, yeah. not I, dead yet. Not dead yet. Well, you know, I've still got I've still got that whole uh, that whole uh, prequel series, prequel trilogy to really big things. You'll get to it. I'll get oh, to it. Oh yeah, we have plenty mm-hmm. of time. Yep, I'm in that boat too. <laughs> got a lot of prequels. Well, no prequels, but sequels and yes. other things that I just need to get to writing. It's so hard, isn't it? Just to, to it often is. give your... I mean, I'm not much for, for writing, but I have all these projects and mm. such that I just want to mm-hmm. do, and I never get them done. And then I, just, yep. I also just still want to just rewrite really big things to actually be, you know, beyond just the uh, five-minute chunks mm-hmm. format. Oh, right. Because okay. it's kind of incomplete the way it is. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Anyways, uh, that one is a bell. That's, that's all right. Mild bell. Mild. We're okay. Mild bell. 
so he's made the, the flow chart to prove his point. Uh, when Richard makes a suggestion to move the song before the act break, uh, Darren moves to ban him permanently, but Nigel intercedes and says that it seems like a good, good thing, and the cast is looking at the flow chart and saying that they really want to try it as well. And Darren mm-hmm. finally, after being teamed up on by uh, pretty much the entire cast, the playwright and the, uh, and the producer, more or less, I, mean, I guess he's Richard's representing the producer, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. he concedes that he will try it once at the preview in the afternoon, and if it does not work, then Richard is permanently banned. Yep, and I loved in that line, uh, Darren said, but if it fails, you are banished forever. <laughs> and I love that he pronounces it banished, three syllables, like they do in Shakespearean text, and particularly in Romeo and Juliet, they pronounce it that way. Yep. And if you're a pretentious theater person. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> exactly. I don't say that, do I? I don't think I've ever heard you say that, but I think I've heard others that we know that we could name personally. Oi. Fells. But I won't. Huh? Fells. Fells might. I don't oh, know. Oh, come on. Not, not in everyday conversation. He was down to earth in everyday conversation. I was thinking more like Callan. Ooh, jeez. That wasn't right in the first place, though. Uh, so, Paul tells a shocked Sophie that he has asked Megan out for uh, before... Uh, oh, I've written down a weird sentence that doesn't work when I read it out loud. <laughs> Before the rehearsal resumes for Lear, Paul tells a shocked Sophie that he's asked Megan out. Mm-hmm. And uh, despite their platonic relationship, it's clear that Sophie uh, is jealous. Most definitely, yes. My friend who was watching it with me uh, said, Oh boy, it is so, so, so obvious that Sophie likes him. <laughs> uh, so then into the rehearsal... Charles becomes disoriented, loses his place, tries to blame Sophie for the trouble. He t- she tells him off. Jeffrey goes back to the green room to talk to Charles, and he's on the floor with pills spilled everywhere, and he's completely out of sorts. Uh, Maria even witnesses this scene. Uh, Jeffrey and Oliver heatedly discuss what to do after they uh, are back in the hallway walking around and talking again. And uh, Oliver su- suggests that uh, Jeffrey should suggest that it's uh, alcoholism. And uh, Jeffrey dis- discreetly does this, implying mm-hmm. that he will go to uh, to an AA meeting. Uh, Just said without a meeting. Saying, yeah, of course. That's that's the uh, that's the tradition. Mm-hmm. He has agreed to attend a meeting, and let's let's everyone assume he means an AA meeting. Mm-hmm. So very clever way to do it. Ellen offers to help him. The only thing he wants is for Barbara to be out of their house, and she's not quite willing to do that. So back to rehearsals. What do you think of the house guest? I'm not a big fan. Yeah. How about you? She's a bit shrill. Yeah. I've, mm-hmm. I've known people like her. Yeah? Yeah, there was one, one gal that stayed with me for Shakespeare in the Parks. Very similar. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Is the one I'm thinking of? Probably. No. The one that your the one your family was familiar with? For a, no. No, no, not no, that no, one. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. Someone else? Yeah. All right, then. We'll leave it at that. Not the barfer. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, Richard tells Jeffrey that he took, the, took, took his advice and brags that the preview went so well that his changes are ge- being kept for tonight's opening. He had a preview in the <laughs> afternoon and an opening in the evening. Wow. That's a, that's a schedule, mm-hmm. is what that, that is. That is a schedule. I've done that. I did that once. We did a mat. Well, we didn't. It was a, but it was at the end, not the beginning. We did a matinee and then our final performance in the evening. 
And then yeah, strike. Was, <laughs> then strike. <laughs> Precisely, yes. Yep. Nice. Although I, I wasn't I wasn't stage crew, so I wasn't involved in the actual striking. So I don't know for sure that they did it that night. Most it was a school theater, high school theater, so most likely they did it over the course of the next week. Yeah, probably I suppose. I know at at the college level it was strike was strike, and you everybody had to. Ev- well, yeah, everybody did it. And, and I was pit orchestra. They didnn't ask us to. I don't think the pit or- orchestra did. That. Yeah, I don't think they would have. Yeah. We didn't have too much pit orchestra. No. Usually, but yeah, I don't think they did participate in the strike. But everybody, including the. Uh, the uh, ushers. Yep. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, basically, basically I think our Peter, when, when we when we had or musicians, they were actually from the music department. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a requirement of anyone who was in the theater or film department to participate if they were already in, in, on staff for the show. Well, it's part of your cl- or as part of your class. Yeah. yeah. Or whatever. exactly. Because mm-hmm. usually you're ushering to your get credit lab for your yep. credit. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. Jeffrey returns home. To find that Charles has run off into the storm that has blown in. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a good okay. storm, by yes. the way. Oh, yes. They yeah, do, they do absolutely. Really, I really liked the cutting. The cutting at this point, I just liked... Uh, I, can't, I can't explain it, Paul. Tell, tell me what I'm trying to say. Pacing. Pacing. I mean, it's just pacing. Yeah. It was awesome. They did a good job mm-hmm. of juxtaposing the success, the success of the musical and the... Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the I don't know if I wouldn't call it terror, but at least the extreme fear that Jeffrey is suffering going out and just trying to figure out what the heck is going to happen. Right. Because he could mm-hmm. be anywhere. He could He could have been dead already. Who knows? He could have been down at the swan pond mm-hmm. with his face in the water. Mm. Glad you <laughs> exactly. didn't write that one, Paul. That's right. <laughs> he could have been. He could have. Uh, so, but we, he absolutely Exactly. Uh, we get a look at the premiere of East Hastings. The first song is preposterous, but almost believable. I mean, it really right, wrote the line very well, I thought, to being like, this is almost like a real musical, but it's really, it's got some, some uh, satire and silliness in it as well. Right. All uh, at the same time. Yeah, yeah you're mm-hmm. right. It was, for me, it was a little too much. I thought I thought it was I thought I thought they did remarkably well to do a show within a show that was not an actual show that already existed. I agree. That's right. And I mean, they are trying to kind of knock off rent a little bit. Yeah, but. exactly. Mm-hmm. But I thought that it was I thought it was a pretty good job. I thought the uh, like the staging was probably sparser than I would imagine the staging to be if they were really really producing it. But rent had pretty sparse staging. I suppose that's part staging. of the point, isn't so that it? Was, that would be. Mm-hmm. Okay, but anyway, like I said, I think I yep. thought it was a really. I never saw Rent. I thought it was a really successful show within a show. Uh, like I said, with the, when it's a show that doesn't already exist. I mean, obviously they've done lots of shows within a show with all sorts of other plays. Mm-hmm. But like the uh, the uh, the experimental reading play that they did the previous season with Lionel Trained was not believable in the least. No. But this one worked no. out pretty well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one did work out quite well. I also I think that. Your assessment's very accurate. I also put down in my notes how they really did a good job creating these songs from from whole cloth. Right. They do right. sound almost like like they belong. Well, musically, they definitely sound like they belong in a stage musical. So, Paul, when was this 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 particular show would have been shot? When this would have been shot during two thousand six, I want to say. 
So I just I think it's pretty interesting. You know, they're 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 walking this this line with this type of story. But if you think about what's going on on Broadway now with like uh, uh, Kinky Boots and uh, Hedwig and mm-hmm. the Angry well, Hedwig. Hedwig's been around for a good five six years. Oh, I realize that, but yeah. I mean, if you think about the progression, it, it is it's it's I can kind of see a similarity. Yeah, I mean, I thought the I thought that the uh, the horror line was a little overdone. In this thing, but I mean, it is kind of the way things are going toward the gritty and the. It re- uh, it's what they're trying to do right now, and I think I think it's interesting mm-hmm. that they kind of called that out a little bit, even though they were just trying to make fun of Rant too. But yeah, I mean, this is oh six. Uh, yeah, the, 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 this this season, the first episode of this season premiered in July of oh six, so they would okay. produce this over the course of late oh five, early oh six. So yeah, I think I think mm-hmm. they called where it was going. Yeah, could yeah. be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and pretty much they intercut the, intercut this like we like you said with the uh, the good pacing showing the scenes from the show and showing the scenes of Jeffrey searching for Charles makes it hard to take notes. Yes, but makes it, makes it hard to summarize a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it does. We get to see but Megan's yeah. We get to see Ma- Megan's big act closing number. Yeah, I wish actually when I got done, I wished I had had time to watch it again just to the watch Lu- it. The Lulu song was really actually pretty believable. I thought the Lulu song was believable as well. I, I, I kind I of I, I'm not gonna say I liked yeah. it. Yeah, but I don't but think they put anything in that was overly absurd like the, mm-hmm. that first opening number. Um, Jeffrey finds Charles slumped in a phone booth, and the end of the musical gets a standing ovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sophie insists that it's crap. Paul suggests that it's, hope I'm not saying anyone's quotes, good crap. <laughs> I only have one quote. And uh, possibly he just digs Megan. He, can, <laughs> he concedes this. Great. Uh, Jeffrey gets Charles safely home. Uh, Paul meets up with Megan at the stage door. Uh, Richard, Nigel, and as far as I can tell, just another random cast member are wildly singing in a car. Ellen is alone in bed. And Paul and Megan Get make busy. out. <laughs> are making out. Yes. Yep. Which seems to be the theme for about this point in the show, whether whether it be uh, oh, you're uh, right. whether you're it be right. Jack and Kate, or whether it be uh, yeah, mid, um, mid-season, just yeah, mid-season the, the ingenues hook up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is the end of the episode. Yep, sure is. I I put down. I would in my notes. I put down. I really needed to finish reading King Lear. I wanted to say something about. Oh, so Jeffrey is a this character or that character, but I haven't actually gotten to the part where he goes out for the walk in the rain yet. So I don't even know if any if anyone does go out following him around, much less who it is. I mean, there's there's a bunch of people who are out in that storm, you know, at various oh, times. Okay. I mean, when when he's when he's out in the storm and he's giving the speech where where he gives the that way madness lies, it's Kent. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, oh, okay. Most, most iconically, it's right. probably the fool. The fool is yeah, yeah. The song that. mentions that. And I would guess that probably Jeffrey is the fool in this case. I don't think he's Kent. No. Yeah. I totally see him as the fool in this, and I I have a lot of respect for that character. Yes. Mm-hmm. Quite a sensible gent, mm-hmm. apparently. <laughs> I can't wait to meet him. I'm only on. The, I've only gotten through the first three scenes of Act One so far, but I just. I guess I'm going to keep plugging away at it. There you go. Because it's got me interested now. I know. I haven't read it in like over 20 years, so I probably should 
<laughs> a little brushing up might hurt. No, it might not hurt. It's been a while. Uh, what do we do next, usually? I don't remember. Do we, quotes. We do quotes, quotes next. Quotes. quotes first, then rating. Yes. Oh, no. I can um, do a rating. Well, before we get in... So did I. Yeah, you think- I had to... I'm thinking Make right one now. up on the fly. Sure, sure. I, well, I've got rating systems for you Ooh, to borrow. I've got, one, I've I got, got rating one. systems for to borrow. If okay, you need I'm going to write down a couple. Go. Okay, uh, but I was going to say that uh, at this point, we will go ahead and check in with um, our correspondent in the field, Ben Pfeiffer, who will be reporting in uh, some point at a later date. And here is where we will play his audio of what he thinks. Hey guys, this is uh, Ben, one of the co-hosts from the Ghostlight Podcast. Um, I'm calling because I missed the recording for episode three of season three of Ghostlight, or Slings and Arrows. Um, so I'm calling in to give my thoughts and feelings and emotions regarding that episode. Um, so I thought what I would kind of do just for shits and giggles is see if I can do a one-minute summary. Um, I will probably butcher it, but uh, here it goes. So... Um, where do I start? There we go. On the count of three. One, two, three. All right, so the therapist justifies Oliver Wells and the opening credits start. It's nice to talk, walk into the rain. Um, the actors and the dancers are still fighting. Oliver's Jeff is uh, just one audience member. Richard is a common man, tells Darren what to do, gets banned. Uh, the world music shit still happening. The old cancer dude is a racist. Um, the actors think themselves because the guy actor is really in love with the Musician lady, um, uh, Anna is running the entire festival, or Richard is being a douchebag. Uh, Storm effects is a little bit too much. Henry, not Henry, Charles says the theater is gross, while Naomi is backing in the back, mopping in the background. Sarah, Polly is being a little bitch, which kind of sucks because I don't like saying that word. Uh, she basically steals the soy mix from that girl and tells her not to buy soy milk, which is weird. Um, Anna's $27,000 in debt, which is nothing. She must have student loans. Um, Jeff shoots Charles up. Uh, Richard wins with a flow chart. Sarah Polly is jealous of the dancer girl. Sarah Polly says, Chuck, to fuck. Um, fuck runs amok. Um, it's a beautiful day in East Hastings. Uh, Charles is in a phone booth. Those don't exist anymore. Sarah is pretty bitter. Um, Sarah being Sarah Polly. Richard is ecstatic. Ellen is alone. Jeff is alone. The action and dancers kiss. Scene. All right. So that was probably, uh, I've messed up on the timer. I'm going to say that was a minute and 20 seconds. So that's not too bad, I guess. Uh, one time, I did get everything in there, though, but, uh, eventually maybe I'll get it down. Um, so, yes. All right. So that was my synopsis. Couple of comments. Um, I'm really disappointed that Sarah Polly is, or her character, that her name is, I think it's Sophia. I, I really am disappointed that she is so bitter and not nice. I really like that actress slash director and wish she would be nicer. Um, who else? Oh, yeah. So all the stuff with Cancer Guy, Chuck, uh, Charles, um, I think that everything that we've seen so far is in line with mine and Amy's and Darcy's prediction that in the fifth episode, he will overdose on heroin, somehow survive, and that is when everyone in the theater knows that he's not a drunk, like they implied in this episode, but he is, in fact, a cancer-ridden drug addict. Um, All right. Ratings. If I was going to rate this, I would give it 7 out of 10 assisted syringe pushes. And quotes. I have two quotes that I like. Uh, three words, stink bomb, and that's why Mother and I drank. 
All right. I think that's it. Um, I know I kind of rushed through this, but it's a voicemail. It's, you know, no one likes leaving my voicemails. Uh, and I hate talking on the phone. So uh, I, I hope this gets in the next episode, episode three, before it plops. Um, and I look forward to watching and being a part of the recording of episode four. All right. I love you. Goodbye. And I'm sure that was a good and well-reasoned argument that he just made. <laughs> Kudos, Ben. Thank you. So are we ready to go for some quotes? Yep, we are. Three words. Stink bomb. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's an easy gag, but I love the delivery. Oh, it was good. It was good. I have have one quote, and it's by Darren. It says, uh, I've spent years observing the common man in shopping malls and county country fairs. Yes. Your turn, Amy. Oh, okay. Um, I, I neglected to write down. I have a whole bunch of these. I neglected to write down who was speaking, but somebody said, "But this is the, the- this is the theater, not a mental ward." And someone replied, "This theater." <laughs> yeah, that's that's Barbara saying that it's a theater, not a mental ward, and Frank oh, responding, yeah. knowing very well that this theater may be a little bit more like a mental ward. Exactly. <laughs> No, Ar- yeah. no Arnold Klein theater, but uh, close. <laughs> <laughs> and another one I have was uh, Jeffrey's moving in with Charles. Charles asks, shall I set three places for dinner? <laughs> All- Oliver appears the way he does and replies, tortellini and olive oil? Don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, too. And mm-hmm. I did like uh, Frank and Cyril quipping together as, uh, as things fell apart one of those times. Uh, company is unifying quite. Uh, company is unifying very nicely, says Frank. And Cyril replies, "Yes, just like the Balkans." <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was a good one. Great choice there. You want any rest? I, of these? I don't want any of the rest of them. You just go. You for can it. take that one if you want it. I don't want it. Oh, okay. Jeffrey said that uh, in terms of shooting heroin, he said, uh, "I felt like I was contributing to the delinquency of a senior." <laughs> All of a couple more I had. Oliver's Charles just ran raving into this storm. The irony is heartbreaking. It's true. And then it is true. Earlier on, toward the beginning, Ellen and Jeffrey are in bed and arguing. Ellen says, "Oh, don't do that. This isn't a sitcom." <laughs> well, no, it's not. But. Uh. That's funny. That's kind of funny. Okay, I think that's it for my quotes. Yeah, I had had another one that was kind of it. It it again came down to delivery from uh, from Aaron, uh, from the actor Aaron, from from Paul, um, where Megan says somebody put a rubber snake in my bed, and last Saturday there was Jello in my shoes. It's like grade two around here. And Paul replying, "Sorry for whoever did that. I apologize (laughs) to you from them, whoever." But that was good. This Paul's delivery is not quite as good as that Paul's delivery. He's pretty awesome. This Paul. Oh, thanks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are we ready to, to move to ratings? Yeah, yeah. I've got two really bad ratings, but all right. And do you know what number you're rating? Do you want to go first, or would you mm. rather... You know, I... Totally love this episode. It it just it it it's really coming together. It's really uh, pacing is nice. Um, 
I liked the twists and turns it took. Um, I am going to give it um, eight out of ten verbose whores. <laughs> Good choice. I just made that up, too. There you awesome. go. Good one. All right, Amy? All right. I It was good, very, very plot-heavy. Um, I, I liked it. Like she said, I liked all the twists and turns it takes. But I don't know if I was just in a mood this week or what, but I'm going to go with 6 out of 10 tortellini. <laughs> just olive oil. <laughs> yeah, just olive oil, no sauce. I actually said, hey, that sounds good. Well, Not that I don't like well, pasta sauce, but because I do, but I love olive salt oil. salt and pepper. Yeah, a little mm-hmm. salt, like especially yeah, if you make it up. get a nice sea salt or a kosher salt. Oh, yeah, there. definitely. So nice, nice big clump, okay. nice little uh, yeah. stick to it nice. And mm, I'm hungry. Apparently. <laughs> Uh, so I thought it was, you know, I, I liked it. It was chaotic to some extent. It was very frenetic pacing. It definitely moved the story forward on, on multiple levels. Um, I have no idea what my note means here. Uh, but uh, Jeffrey shot Charles up. So, uh, you know, that's a... Oh, I, 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 that's what it is. I, I, I give, I'm giving it an extra point for, for that, just that, because it, uh, it was pretty extreme. And uh, I kind of thought the Paul, Sophie, Megan thing was kind of a weak C plot. It really felt a little. I mean, I know that the uh, the the, the uh, opposition of the musical musical cast and the theater cast is a new element, but for the most mm-hmm. part, it felt a little bit like a rehash of of ingenue elements of the previous two seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to give it a seven out of ten uh, mistimed pranks. <laughs> Uh, that's actually the you hit on the reason why I didn't rate it any higher. I have the Paul, Sophie, Megan th- uh, subplot I'm just not terribly interested in. Yeah. That in that plot or them. Although I am the you can always you can always get good drama out of any rivalry between two groups. So I'm at least somewhat interested in that element. Yeah. But on the other hand, these musical these got the musical cast is all completely new characters for this season, so I'm, I guess I'm having a little bit of trouble getting attached to them. See, and I, mean, I guess and I, and for I me because I'm still twelve. Yeah, you know that that totally <laughs> speaks to me. Yeah, so, and, and we I mean we've lived through more or less that. I know, it, not mm, more or less. Right, Come right. on, we put Windex in the poor girl's plant. Well, it, she wasn't a singer; she was just in the dance department. She was a dancer, I know, but it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was going to say that the I was going to say something about the uh, the pranks all seeming fairly petty and and silly, but then I was like, well, we just confessed all of that in the previous episode. Yeah, we so, totally uh, did that stuff. That was what we did, and I I think it's interesting that you know we're not alone. But I do think it suffers a little bit that it's not anybody from the the central ensemble cast involved in the whole thing. Everybody in the musical cast that's part of the conflict, Megan, Megan it's Megan basically, mm-hmm. and then the other two are all brand new for this season. So the entire conflict is generated just for this season, and there's no, you know, it doesn't really connect to the rest of the uh, the ongoing cast, the uh, ongoing ensemble. I guess, mm-hmm. so yeah, because you know, they, they, I guess, in all the other seasons, they there has been some sort of crossover between, and this this time there really isn't. Yeah. Hey, Paul, what's the assignment for next week? Very organic. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm 
like I'm keeping more of that in than I claimed to be. <laughs> the assignment for next week is uh, Season 3, Episode 4, Every Inch a King. <laughs> you really are 12. I really am. <laughs> Isn't that why you love me? It is, actually. <laughs> I think we get along fairly well that way. Well, if you're... Well, what are you? I'm 12, you're... Oh, I'm not much more Nine. than 12. You've heard, really, you've heard really big things. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I had a tendency to fall back on bodily function when I can. That's right. That's right. Well, nobody uh, nobody picked up on Stink Bomb. Hey, nobody picked up on my... Uh, I, I left a big whole gap when I said that Jeffrey told Maria to cut the wind. Yeah, you're right. But I, <laughs> I, I, I let it go. I somewhat blame Ben for not being here. I think oh, he would have picked that one up. He totally would have ran with that puppy. <laughs> yes. But we love you, Ben. We miss you, Ben. That, that's a sign that we miss you. I, bl- I blame you. In, in When I say I blame you, I mean that I miss you. Oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. thick. Is it then? Yes. Uh, so that's what we'll do next week or next time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, until then, uh, where can we find you on the internet, Amy? Yep. Still same places as always. Amy Bowen on Twitter and Amy Bowen Writes on Instagram. And I haven't po- uh, posted, don't have any new projects on the internet going on much right now, but I will definitely post at least to Twitter when I have something to post. Oh, I, oh actually, the newest projects I have going on are actually, amusingly enough, all over at the Deadpan Podcast. If you're still subscribed to that feed, I actually, the feed's still there. I'm pretty sure it's not too late to subscribe to it. I've got a set of airport updates coming out, and I've also got an almost 30-minute long, pretty much long enough to be a real episode, a discussion recorded by me and some of my friends about 2001 A Space Odyssey and Repo Man. All right. So those those are both coming down the deadpan feed in the next one to two months. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely subscribed. I would never, never delete that. There's already been one surprise on show I didn't even expect, so. Yay. Yep, that's right. Exactly. All right. Well, Ben Pfeiffer, you can find also at the Enumeration Podcast. It's a podcast where they count things, sort of. <laughs> they count down things. They, they, they rank things. It's a pop culture ranking podcast. They, uh, they uh, are at, I believe, enumerationpodcast.tumblr.com. And if I get that wrong, I'll just edit that over and you won't even know. So, uh, that's where to find Ben. Darcy, is there any place you, you, we want to find you, or should I just you introduce know, that? You, you can either find me through Paul, mm-hmm. or you can find me with my hand on the hem of a lady's dress, or you can find me in the Minneapolis and St. Paul magazine. Yes, Minneapolis St. Paul magazine, at least the blog, if not inside yes, the magazine, yes. has an article on you at your job. Yes, indeed. So, or under a rock. That's usually where you can find me. <laughs> Oh, that's very cool. Congratulations on the mad magazine article. Yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. And uh, meanwhile, uh, the other thing that Darcy failed to mention, but I will mention, is that we are both also going to be uh, continuing as hosts on the Cast, which is an intro cast for the television series Supernatural. Yep. And you can find us uh, at uh, quadruplez.com, uh, along with uh, many other fine podcasts, including this one and... Uh, and that one, and, and various others as well. This one, and that one. There you go. 
And they're all made of tiki-taki, and they all look just the same. But they sound much different. They do. There you go. <laughs> okay. So uh, that's our that's our information. So until next time, uh, I've been uh, Paul Mackey in Elk River. I am Darcy in Elk River as well. <laughs> and I am Amy Bowen in Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, Omaha. And good night. Good night. Or good morning if you're listening in the morning or afternoon if you're listening in the afternoon. Absolutely. It's podcasting. They can do what they want. You scholars of English, one question I'll ask. To answer, you won't find a difficult task. Of Shakespeare's great heroes, which one would you pick? To award him first prize for being totally tick. Othello, you know, was a gullible dupe. And Hamlet's delaying landed him in the soup. But the stupidest moron in all of Shakespeare was that old king of England, the man they call Lear. The Ghostlight Podcast and many other fine podcasts can be found at quadruplez.com. You can send your own feedback to us in a number of ways. We are on Twitter at GhostlightPC. Three daughters he had in the course of his life, although we're not told what befell his poor wife. I'll bet she ran off to avoid going insane after years of enduring that pompous old pain. Find us at facebook.com slash groups slash ghostlightpodcast. Please keep discussion there spoiler-free. If you want to comment on future episodes, the newbies don't check the phone or email. Call our voicemail line, 206-309-9389. Or email us, theghostlightpodcast at gmail.com. At the Donkey and Crown, where he drank every night, the locals all knew poor old Lear wasn't bright. When they said, Your Royal Highness, we love and revere, the old fool lapped it up and bought everyone beer. Theme song for season three is King Lear by Brendan Nolan off his Songbrook CD. Music and lyrics by Con O'Driscoll and is used by permission from both songwriter and performer. Find all of Brendan Nolan's music at www.brendannolan.com. At the age of fourscore and in fear of expiring, King Lear told his girls he intended retiring. Of loss of his faculties, sadly he moaned, as if he could forfeit what he'd never owned. Hello, you're listening to the... Uh, sorry, cut. I think you should do that again. Your Skype, Skype sound got messed up. Yeah, you're yes. so weird. And I, uh, I almost said Digicast. <laughs> uh, whoops. Yeah, because I was just talking about it a second ago. <clears throat> Keep your podcast straight, Mr. Man. All righty. <laughs> Here goes. He said that his kingdom he planned the partition, provided his daughters fulfilled one condition. Before I hand over this rich legacy, you must tell me how much you admire me, said he. Are you still there, Amy? Yes, I okay. mute my mic because oh. I'm eating. Oh, very good. Oh, you're so sweet. A uh, good practice. <laughs> okay, it just it suddenly Thanks. it sounded suddenly it sounded deader than uh, than it should. I thought so, but that makes sense. Good. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, we yeah. I was that. muted. Okay. We can live with that. No trouble. Okay, what's our next scene? Our next scene. Now the two eldest daughters named Gonrel and Regan knew well what he wanted, so promptly they began to swear how they always did love and respect him. They thought that the sun rose each day from his rectum. All right, well, I've made my usual mistake of not writing down what the next episode is ahead of time, so I'm going to dash away for a second, and this will be an edit point where... It, dash um, away, dash away. I'm going to dash away, dash, dash away. away and, and, uh, 
figure out Ooh, what that title don't is. Don't knock me off my stool while okay. you do that. Oh, don't. Okay, don't fall down. I'm trying not to. Walking around the bar, opening the cupboard, grabbing the disc, <laughs> walking back around the bar, into the kitchen, picking up his headphones. All right, before the edit point is finished, uh, the next thing I'm going to want you to do is ask me, hey, Paul, what's the assignment for next week? Tell me where we go. Um, you ready? Yeah. Go. Says Cardelia, the youngest, being honest and true. Can't you see, Dad, they're taking the piss out of you? King Lear lost a head and began to scream at her, but still she refused her ill father to flatter. In a rage, the bowler says, I swear on my honour, I'll split my estate between Reagan and Conroy. I've nothing for Delia, no land nor finance. She can pack her belongings and shag off to France. If that's not bad enough, that pathetic old jerk left himself without home, without income or perk. The two vixens took all, and their dad, the old dunce, was to lodge in their houses in alternate months. These daughters, of course, were both nasty old shrews, but in fairness, King Lear gave them every excuse. His boiled eggs were too hard and his gravy too thin, or he got too much tonic and not enough gin. So they both found their dad an unbearable bore. Ere the first want was finished, they showed him the door. In those far-off days, there was no county home, so old Lear, like a tramp round the country, did roam. Up to this he was lacking in guile and in craft, but now the old geezer went totally daft. He ran through the fields and he crawled through the bogs, he was screaming and howling and barking at dogs. But in spite of his faults and ridiculous foibles, he still had a band of devoted disciples. Young Edgar was there and the loyal Duke of Kent, and a man called the fool, quite a sensible gent. One other wayfarer I lad to this roster, twas Edgar's blind father, the old Duke of Gloucester. He disowned his son, who he thought was untrue. In fact, Lear and himself were of equal IQ. Then they heard the news as they wandered all over. Cordelia arrived at the ferdy in Dover. Being now Queen of France, she assembled an army, avenging her dad, though she heard he was barmy. So thousands of men in the battle were slaughtered, and victory it went to the two vicious daughters. But they never got to be powerful and rich, overcome as they were by a lecherous itch. For Edgar's half-brother they both wished to own, the same man for the power of his pelvis was known. So one of them poisoned the other one's lager, then did herself in with a seven-inch dagger. Since tragedies must have their audiences crying, there followed a terrible outbreak of dying. Edgar stabbed his half-brother, that devious old crook, and the shock killed his daddy, that's Gloucester's old duke. Cordelia was hanged by a treacherous jailer. Lear died when it struck him that he was a failure. If he only had snuffed it a few years before, he'd have saved everybody all this suffering and gore.